What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, and Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. I'm your host with the most, of course, J.J. Jerez, here with Arif Dean and Steady P. Patrick Stedman, making us sound pretty and doing all the editing. Arif, you know, with this COVID situation going on, not many games played. I always thought it would be fun. And I almost did it today to intro us like other NHL podcasts around that are out there in podcast land. You know, like one one episode we intro with a version of Puck Soup. Another one we intro with a version of 31 Thoughts mm-hmm. and, and, you know, so on and so forth. Don't you think that'd be kind of fun instead of me doing the exact same intro every single time? Yeah, with the 31 Thoughts one, it'll just be... Uh, testing. One, two, yeah. three, four, five, six, seven, 10, 9, eight, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. We rolling? Let's roll. <laughs> and we can always do the hello, everybody, for Rear Admiral. Right. We can just go through them all. We got Puck Soup V1, yeah. V2, V3. Yeah, it would, that one would be but like, I'm Arif Dean of Mile High Sports. I'm JJ Jerez of Mile High Sports. You can find my things at milehighsports.com <laughs> and on Twitter. And for you, you'll be like, you can find me on Twitter and sometimes milehighsports.com. Sometimes we do videos. Sometimes we record a podcast where we actually have hockey to talk about. Other times and we'd have to have some long awkward pauses in there too. <laughs> Just that, yeah. Oh Lord, the- not knowing whose whose turn it is to talk. But no, it's only you and I here, so it's our turn to talk. And uh, we got to be back in Ball Arena today. Avs back on the ice, not nearly at full <laughs> strength. Uh, so that was kind of, I guess, interesting to watch. All the guys we expected to come back from COVID were back. However, there was a list of five new guys in protocol. So I guess. Give us the update there, and uh, we'll just go from there. Yep. So uh, the guys that we know that were on protocol in Burakovsky, Makar, that were added, as well as Kemper during that Nashville game, were all back. And then the guy that initially went on protocol, Devon Taves, was also back. Side note, remember when Devon Taves went on protocol and it was like, oh, wow, the Avalanche have a third guy this season to go on protocol. Such bad luck. And now every team's got like 40 people on protocol. So um, those guys are all back. The guys that are in protocol along with the date of their potential return, uh, which I assume is about 99%, just depending on how they feel. Curtis McDermott will return Monday the 27th, likely. Uh, That's tomorrow when you guys are mostly listening to this podcast. Nazem Kadri, likely Tuesday the 28th. Logan O'Connor, likely Thursday the 30th. Miko Rantanen, likely Friday the 31st. Pavel Fransuz, good old... Cursed Pavel Francis January 5th, which is the following Wednesday after this one in 10 days. Those are the guys that were missing. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't, I guess, much of a surprise. We kind of expected this, right? I think it was kind of weird to see Miko Rantanen on there because a couple days ago, I guess it was two days before Christmas, I saw the Avalanche Twitter account tweeting him and Gabe Landeskog playing some Xbox against each other. So I'm like, oh, it sounds like both of those guys are... COVID free, they must be good. And then, uh, I don't know, it turns out Miko Rantanen wasn't so good. But uh, it's good to see Landeskog back on the ice. Looks like his injury is fine. He was in, even in a blue jersey, not any non contact. And he was, he was the first one on the ice. He said, I'm just going to go out there first. You know how he is. He's always giddy to get out there first. Yeah. And you really felt his presence out there. I, I tweeted about it, but if you missed it, um, you know, it was interesting to me that, that that practice today was supposed to start at 2.30 Mountain Time, right? And it was about 2.27. It looked like all the guys are, had been on the ice and practice was ready to start, but still no coaches around. Gabe Landeskog got the practice started. And by the time Jared Bednar and Nolan Pratt stepped on the ice, practice was already. In full swing, a couple minutes early, Landis got, got it going. So uh, obvi- his presence, obvious right out of the gate. And um, the, the Avalanche are pretty, were pretty impressive with the wins that they were able to acquire without him in the lineup, right? I mean, the uh, Rangers game and the Florida Panthers game both come to mind. I mean, those were huge games, huge wins for Colorado without the captain in the lineup. Yeah, and then the Nashville game, obviously, we all saw what happened there, but... I mean, that's probably the one positive from all of this. If there's even anything you can look at and say positive without rolling your eyes of all the crap that's been going on the last two weeks, not just with the Avalanche, but the entire NHL, it's that Gabe Landeskog was going to miss two weeks and the Avalanche were going to play a ton of game in those two weeks. And now suddenly it's just three games. It's a victory against the Florida Panthers, 
a victory against the New York Rangers, and then obviously the Nashville game. Yeah, that's a good point. It was five games that he could have missed that otherwise are going to be rescheduled or postponed. Um, so, you know, we'll wait and see when those get eventually get rescheduled for. Hopefully he's in the lineup then. But, yeah, you, you make a great point. That's five games that they didn't have to play without him. Yeah, exactly. And the same goes for Devon Taves. He was going to be out until after Christmas. He was that very first guy. Um, was it before the Rangers game, I believe, on the 12th or the 13th? Whatever the hell that was at this point. It was before the Rangers game, and you know yep. he, had, he had symptoms. He was symptomatic, so he was going to be out until after Christmas, meaning Monday the 27th when Colorado would play Vegas. So he was supposed to miss four more games, but now that obviously that Monday game has been now postponed. So we're going to see a lot of changes and a lot of shuffling in the Avalanche schedule. But guys like Taves and guys like Landeskog are obviously going to be back a little bit sooner. And on the other side of things, we just talked about him. Pavel Francouz is going to miss quite a few games, assuming no, nothing else is postponed because he's obviously, you know, if he's if he's in COVID until the 25th, is it 10 days or 14? I mean, if it's 10 days, he tested positive today. He was the very last one. The NHL sent out a memo to team saying um, that if you want to return to practice, you do so on the 26th, the day after Christmas. No practice can start before 2 p.m. local, and every team must test everybody, including, you know, the social media and every, you know, everybody that's part of your traveling party on staff um, that morning. So given the 10 days that people are supposed to be in protocol, it says to me that Frankie tested positive today. So uh, sucks for him because that likely means he was ready to rock and tested positive and couldn't practice. And I think I saw Kate Shefty tweeted that Jared Bednar said they were even going to call in a, an emergency con uh, emergency goalie to come in and play for practice. And even he tested positive. So they had Darcy Kemper all on his own. Like just, it's just a shit show. Once again, they couldn't shoot me a text, right? Arif? I mean, I even know I tested negative for there. COVID last week. I think I'm pretty confident I would test negative again. I have the gear. I was going to practice anyway. All it took was a simple text they could have sent me. But no, yeah, you're right. And you accidentally said the 25th. Just for correction, Pavel Francis will be back January 5th. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, with uh, with the other guys, Kadri, McDermott, with their quick return here, it sounds like they were on the list of those guys that tested positive right after the Nashville game, right? That's kind of what we heard. Yep. That Once they got back, a couple other guys added to the list. So um, yeah, looks like um, those guys should be good to go here if these games do get started here later this week. Two against Dallas is what we're expecting, but uh, we'll get into that later on. The other good news that we saw out of practice was, uh, you know, Bo Byram peeked his head out. Of course, he wasn't in any equipment. He was just in his workout clothes, um, drinking some looked sort like, of shake. Looked like he was eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. He had, yeah, or, he had a sandwich in his hand at one point. Yeah, it also, it looked like he was maybe eating one of those drinkable apple juices. I don't know. It could have been wrong. <laughs> I was on the other side of the rink. But good to see him uh, peek his head out. And it sounds like he will be skating tomorrow in a non-contact. So he's definitely feeling better and inching his way back to a, a return. Yeah, and that would be awesome for the Avalanche to have Bo back. I mean, again, for him right now, it's more or less about his long-term health than it is just hockey. And obviously, this isn't you know a 35-year-old guy that's been in the NHL for 10, 12 years that has to make a decision to pull the plug on his career. This is a young kid that was drafted fourth overall, uh, I want to say less than 24 months ago, but I think that's wrong. It was 2019, so a little over two years ago. Um, has barely played, had a little bit of a sniff last year. And this year, I mean, dude, that guy was the Avalanche's best defenseman early in the season. Like, this is a kid that's going to be good for a very long time. He's just got to get over these concussion issues, and it's a little bit of a coin flip for everybody. But this is good news to see him at the ring and rink in good spirits and to, to see him back with the team says to me that things are getting closer for him. And that's awesome. I mean, he's he's a hell of a player. He's a hell of a guy. And you know, we're we're all rooting for him, not just as a hockey player, but as a human to get past these concussions and, and to get back to doing what he loves. Yeah, I mean, even from a hockey standpoint and a business standpoint, it makes sense to take care of this guy and wait till he's as close to 100% as possible because down the road, this guy's obviously going to be an asset for you eventually. And I mean, he is right now, but, you know, you have interest in his future progress as well. So um, keeping him 
and keeping a keeping your eye on the long term, I think, is still important both from a hockey standpoint and just for his life. So, um, yeah, we'll see how he does when he gets back on the ice. And last thing you want to see is him jump into a game and have another freak accident like the Bo Horvat hit, right? That weird mm-hmm. little elbow, non-elbow, just sandwiched him into the into the board. So, um, yeah, it, it, proceed with caution. Obviously, I would say for the Avalanche, he, he's a he's a asset for you now but he's going to be an even bigger one for the future so make sure that his career lasts that long and he's somebody that they obviously use the fourth overall draft pick on and in terms of assets for a company a company being each individual team you never really think of just how valuable a draft pick is until the outrage that was surrounding if you remember the chicago blackhawks when they were fined two million dollars for the way that they handled the kyle beach situation Everybody was screaming for them to lose draft picks, lose a first rounder, strip them of a first, strip them of a second, because even a first or a second has that kind of value, $2 million plus dollars. I mean, if you lose a fourth overall draft pick on a player like Bowen Byram, when you could have drafted somebody, I don't know, pick a player, the guy that went next, Alex Turcott, that player in Turcott, the centerman, is going to provide you with far more than $2 million worth of value in the long run. So in the end, it's not just somebody that you have to look out for their future because it's going to matter for you. It's somebody that you've already invested so much in just by spending that fourth overall draft pick to take him, just by bringing him up through the system and obviously watching him play these last couple of years. He played in the WHL, COVID stopped his season, and then you know you took him with you to the bubble. He kind of got a sniff last year in 20, 2021, and now this year he was obviously a big part of your team. The Avs have invested a lot in this guy, and aside from the human element, from a from a business standpoint, they definitely need to proceed with caution. From a human element, Bo needs to proceed with caution. But you know, I'm not a medical expert. I'm not going to pretend I know how to deal with concussions or know the first thing about them. Uh, obviously, these people make a lot of money, and and uh, you know, Bo and Byram has the right kind of support system with family and his agency and everything around him to know that. If he's coming back to play hockey, it's because he's ready to do so, and I trust that that's the case. Yeah, obviously he has nothing left to prove. We know the future is going to be bright for Bo and Byram, and as far as the injury goes, or I guess the concussion you're dealing with, he he's a he's a valuable piece to the team. But I don't know if he's so valuable that you need him this year to win the cup, right? And if obviously we know he's due to step back in the lineup and play some more games. But if he were to not, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world because you're helping him with his concussion situation and he he doesn't really make or break the team, in my opinion. I mean, he is good. Don't get me wrong. He adds a lot and contributes. He's a key piece. But I don't think he's so key that they're suddenly a completely different team without him. I'm going to kind of change a little bit of what you just said. Okay, he doesn't break the team, but he makes the team, and that just speaks volume to the Avalanche and their depth. Meaning that if you have Bo Byram, you are a far better team, and you're going to do a better job, and you're going to have a better chance of winning the cup. But if he doesn't play a lick of hockey from now until opening night next season, you're still good enough to win the cup. And I think that's what you're getting at. You don't need him to win it, but if you have him, you have a far better chance of winning. And that speaks obviously to the fact that, and no one's going to be healthy you know, for a full 82 games, no defense core, but that speaks to what Jack Johnson has brought to this team as a PTO at training camp. That speaks to what Ryan Murray brought to the team before his injury. And then obviously now the issue is your seventh defenseman is Curtis McDermott, but we all know how easy it is to go out and just bring in another defenseman at the trade deadline. Just make sure it doesn't end up being, you know, as terrible as what Patrick Nemeth ended up providing. No disrespect to him. It just didn't work this second time around for him. So, with Bowen Byram, you have a far greater chance without him. You're still good enough to win, and you'll just have to go out and acquire another depth piece. But with Eric Johnson, Jack Johnson, it's, I mean, Eric Johnson's a big part of this too. The guy hasn't missed a game this season, knock on wood, and he's been damn good at what he's been doing. Like He's on pace to hit 30 points for, I think, the third time or maybe the second time in his avalanche career, which is crazy, and that's because of injuries. He's always been in the 20s. So between him, between Jack, between what Ryan Murray has brought, uh, obviously uh, seeing Devon Taves take that next step, Sam Gerrard continues to do his thing. You don't need Bowen Byram to win the cup, but it sure would be nice. And that's assuming everyone's healthy and ready to go for the playoffs, exactly. right? Because that's kind of why he got the shine. Kale McCarr missing some time, Devon Taves missing some time. He was a great 
no, he was an amazing fill-in for those guys. Um, but as long as those guys are there, he's not an absolutely necessary piece. But obviously, I'd prefer to see him out there. But at what cost? That's the thing. It's 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 the fact that he's a twenty-year-old kid. You don't want to force him in this season, knowing that it could affect his long-term development with the team and you know his longevity in the NHL. You can win the cup without him this year, but damn, dude, like, <laughs> could you, I mean, look, it's not that he was just a fill-in. It's not like, I mean, this is kind of similar case to Nazem Kadri when McKinnon was out for so long and Kadri was putting up points. Everybody's like, oh, well now Nate's back and Kadri's going to take a step back. And all he's done, Nazem, is put up a point in every single game minus that Dallas game since McKinnon came back. So looks like that theory kind of went went you know fell off the side like side of the the earth it didn't end up being a thing so similar to Bowen Byram everybody said oh you know when Taves is back and when McCarr's back he's not going to have the opportunity to shine like he did but after his first injury this season he came back into the lineup scored that same game I think he even had a point or a goal against Vancouver before getting hurt again as well so it sure would be nice to have him but I see what you're saying in terms of short-term versus long-term risk versus reward this is not the kind of guy. This isn't, you know, last year Montreal literally like Shea Weber was hanging by a thread mm-hmm. before every Stanley Cup final game. You're not going to be like, all right, Shea, let's go ahead and keep you out of the lineup. We want to focus on the rest of your career. Shea's 30 something years old. He's not, he doesn't have much more hockey left in him. This might be his only chance of winning the cup. He's going to play no matter what you try to say to him. It's a different case with Bowen Byram. Do you really want to risk it for the reward knowing that this is somebody that you need for 10 years or whatever it is? So I see what you're saying, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for helping me make sense of that. I just kind of... I just don't want people to come at you and say, uh, what do you mean you can win the cup without <laughs> Bowen Byram? I'm trying to kind of ease it a little bit. Right. Then the words just kind of fumbled out of my mouth there, too. They didn't really... As far as you're concerned, I know how much you'd like to see Jordan Gross playing his place. so... <laughs> Man. Oof is right. But yeah, on that note, you know, Avs obviously have to call up a couple guys, Um Probably just two we're thinking since we know Nazem Kadri and McDermott are supposed to be back in the lineup. And um, we're going to need a goalie too. So I guess Ananin is going to get another shot in an avalanche sweater. We'll see if he gets any games between now and when Pavel Francouz is ready. Uh, other than that, who do you think are the uh, forward call-ups since they were only skating with three full lines today at practice? So yeah, the Avalanche obviously practiced with three forward lines today. And like you said, Nazem Kadri will play. Curtis McDermott is also coming off of COVID protocol before that game on the 29th. But I would assume he's going to step in for Jordan Gross and play defense, which means you're, like you said, still going to need two forwards. And the two guys at the very top, and considering one of them is Kadri and he's a centerman, you're going to need two wingers. The two guys at the top of the list in terms of points for the Eagles are Dylan Sakura with 20 points in 20 games, Kiefer Sherwood with 19 points in 16 games. Um, they're both having good seasons. But if you go a little bit lower, Mikhail Maltsev's right there with 17 points in 21 games. So I think we're going to see two of those. If you ask me, it's going to be Sherwood and Maltsev. Sakura's only gotten one call up this year. He didn't really look the best I think he was in the opening night lineup now that I think about it but Sherwood and Maltsev have been the go-to's along with Megna lately but I don't think Megna's going to be the guy just because you have Newhook you have Jose you have Kadri you have McKinnon you also have Comfer so you have tons of centermen that are going to play center so it says to me that Sherwood and Maltsev will play it'll probably be on the fourth line with somebody like Darren Helm and then your third line will be Obi Kubel and Jost and Comfer and that's not too bad when you think about it you're still gonna have pretty good lineup you know through and through so um if you ask me it'll be sherwood and maltsev maybe sakura coming in for one of those two guys well and there's a good chance those guys stick around too right because the nhl implemented taxi squads Mm -hmm. yet again which is so very necessary considering the cap implications and all the juggling teams were having to do as their players fell out of the lineup and um, the, the last thing you want is to see a team, you know, get a bunch of COVID positives right before a game and have to skate with, you know, 15 guys. So um, taxi squads are back in. And I, I love that idea because uh, I thought the taxi squad was a good idea. Yeah. So it's not just the taxi squad. It's the fact that there's some salary cap exemptions mixed in with it. So here's the thing that we don't often think about is if the Avalanche had a taxi squad in Nashville, they wouldn't have been able to play with a full lineup regardless. I think they would have been able to call up one person on an emergency basis, maybe two, but 
they would have still been well up, you know, up, up, up against the cap ceiling. So there was a little bit of, uh, I think, I think the emergency recall would have been one player, but only one. And they were playing obviously with 10 forwards and five defensemen. So they would have needed more than just one. But here's basically what the changes are. So first of all, there is a roster emergency exception with a $0 cap hit recall, which is the biggest thing, just given the amount of teams that are right up against it. So if a team is short 20 players and does not have the cap space for a recall, currently what they can do is they can call up a player with a cap hit of up to $850,000 to play one game, and that person does not carry a cap hit. So that's what they would have been able to do against Nashville. The new rule is that it's been revised so that it's up to a million. So that's the big part is there is that you're going to be able to call up a little bit of a better player. Here's the second part. If the team does not have healthy 12 forwards and six defensemen and the shortage is due to COVID, not injury, they can immediately use the emergency exception recall. This means that the team will not need to play short for one game prior to using the $0 cap hit. This only applies for COVID absences, not for injuries. For goalies, the uh, emergency exception recall can be used for both COVID and non-COVID absences. So if uh, Pavel Francouz pulls a groin at... uh, at, you know, at, at the pregame skate and you want to bring up Anunin from the taxi squad, you can, even if it's an injury related thing for the taxi squad, you can carry up to six guys, but from now to the all-star break for now, that's all they've put it through. Um, players on the taxi squad count for cap purposes, exactly as though they were in the AHL. So if a player has a cap of up to 1.1 million, that that's the burying threshold. They're not going to count against the cap. They're going to get paid their AHL salary Six players max on the taxi squad. They can only be on the taxi squad for 20 cumulative days. After 20 days, they got to get sent down or called up to the NHL. Players receive compensation as though obviously they're in the minors. Like I said, if they're on the taxi squad, blah, 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 blah. And then all the rules against, you know, their their uh, professional experience and, you know, things like that for free agency. So basically what we're getting at is COVID's back. And as we've seen, the NHL needs to adapt once again. And this is going to be a big thing. I mean, it sucks now that the Avalanche lost Johansson. Uh, not that he's a make or break guy, but, you know, for me, if you're going to have Eustace Annan on the taxi squad, that's unfortunate because now he doesn't get to play games. He has to sit there and just practice. And you'd rather somebody like that playing in the AHL. But it's good to see the NHL adapting to this. This was obviously the biggest thing that they were discussing during these last six, seven days, whatever it's been since the NHL went on a pause. Um and they made the right move. This is something that not just the Avalanche, but a lot of teams need. Oof, that was a, a lot to absorb. It was a lot. <laughs> if I'm listening to the podcast, I'm hitting the, the rewind button a couple of times trying to catch that again and understand it. I didn't I didn't plan that as good as I thought I did reading through those. Um, but basically, what we're getting at is what happened in Nashville won't happen again, if that were the case. Right. It's crazy to me, you know that they thought that they could get away with the season without a taxi squad with full buildings and everything kind of trying to get back to quote unquote normal, right? These are all rules that they had with empty buildings. And I guess whatever the situation was going on last year, the fact that they didn't just run it back, you know, it's kind of a head scratcher, but um, you know, again, the NHL keeps thinking that COVID is just going to disappear one day. It's just going to be gone. Well, what we've seen the last three months is, when there isn't crazy, I mean, it's the same thing that happened last year. I mean, I'm no medical expert, but as soon as the weather got colder last year, things went a little crazy. And right around Thanksgiving, uh, Denver County and all the tri-city, tri-counties or whatever the hell they're called around here. I'm still new to Colorado as far as I'm concerned. Uh, they all went into crazy lockdowns and crazy mandates and things like that. And then as the spring started to spring you know, was sprung the the things kind of calmed down a little bit. So I suspect that's going to be the case. I mean, if I'm the NHL, I'm just excited and, you know, not excited, but I'm just thankful that I'm not the NFL where the most important games get played in the cold weather and I'm not college football prepping for the last three games of their national championship. You just kind of got to grind through between now and the all-star game. And if you got to extend the taxi squad another two weeks, so be it. But by the time you get to that grind in late February, early March through to April, if it's anything like last season, by then you'll be back to having sporadic players on COVID protocol. Similar to what we saw this season between October 13 and December 16, the Avalanche had three players go on protocol. Nathan McKinnon opening night, Jack Johnson shortly thereafter, Devon Thames on December 13th. That's it. So it can happen. And I assuming it'll get back to that point. 
it's just it sucks man this is this is just draining to talk about we were watching practice today it looked like a freaking high school team out there darcy kemper was going back and forth between both nets he was the only goalie he was exhausted you constantly see him kind of hunched over catching his breath and going to center ice with uc parkla and stretching a little bit so he doesn't tear anything because he hasn't played hockey in two weeks and now he's the only guy taking shots like it's a lot it really is yeah they were playing three on three in one zone for a little bit there, right? So he he really didn't get much of a rest, and he they, was gassed by the end of they, that practice. So I they was had it for Kemper. They had a drill where one of the one of the coaches dropped the puck as if like it was a face off. To I think Nathan McKinnon was at center, and he passed it back to the defenseman, and they did like a tic tac toe play and scored. The catch is there was no defense. There was no five. It was literally Kemper versus five guys, and Nathan McKinnon took a face-off against nothing. Nobody. The guy just dropped the puck. McKinnon wanted it back to McCarr, and they did this whole dipsy-doodle play and scored on Kemper without five guys in front of Kemper because they were short. Yeah, I'm happy to report the Avalanche were 100% on face-offs today <laughs> in practice because of it. Uh, but that's a good time to tell you guys about DraftKings. It's the holidays, guys, with Christmas and New Year's. And at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, they have a gift that'll certainly put you in the holiday spirit. New customers can bet just $5 on any NBA team and win $150 in free bets if they're victorious. It's a great way to put some extra jingle in your pocket. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get in on the holiday spirit with holiday free bet surprise. Everyone will get a free bet up to $50 instantly as DraftKings gives away up to $10 million in prizes. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code MHS to bet just $5 on any NBA team and win $150 in free bets if they're victorious. That's promo code MHS this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Not only are they the official sports betting partner of the NBA, it's the NFL, the NHL. So whatever sport floats your boat and you think, man, I know too much about this sport. I mean, if you're listening to us, it's probably hockey. And you haven't downloaded DraftKings Sportsbook yet, get in and you know there's a sweet promo waiting for you for whatever sport you choose. I'm a strictly hockey guy. Sometimes I dabble in European soccer. Other than that, I usually just lose my money if I get outside my box. So that's the way I operate. Um, That's DraftKings Sportsbook for you. Arif, with New Year's right around the corner, and, you know, a lot of podcasts usually do, oh, Christmas gifts, or, you know, it's an easy content piece to say, this is what I would do for... X team or X player for Christmas or what I would get them. So we're going to play along with that since we don't have any actual hockey to talk about. And we're going to do some New Year's rev- resolutions for the Avalanche players. Now, we didn't plan this super hard. All we knew is you're going to get some players. I'm going to pick some players and we're just going to kind of improvise this. So that being said. Oh, boy. I just improvised a couple tweets and it was a shit show. So let's see how this goes. (laughs) But that being said, let's start off with your, I'm going to make this easy on you because I know this guy is just one of your favorite players this year and that's Val Nachushkin. What is a new year's resolution that you would set for Val Nachushkin at this point? Um, I would say a new contract with the Avs. And I know a lot of guys are pending UFAs. You know, obviously his line mates, Berkey and Kadri, and also Kemper and Frankie are both UFAs, Darren Helm, Jack Johnson, Ryan Murray, so on and so forth. But specifically Nichushkin, because of all the guys that are about to test free agency, I think he's the least excited about it. And I think he's the least excited about it because... I mean, Jared Bednar said it two weeks ago. It was either the Florida game or the Rangers game. I forget at this point. But after the game, Jared said something along the lines of, Val loves it here. He's found his home. And if there's anything we know about Nichushkin the last few years is the guy went through the ringer with the Dallas Stars and he left and went to the KHL where he was comfortable, but he had an itch to come back to the NHL. And he came back and he had that season with Dallas where he played 50-something games and didn't score a single freaking goal. And, you know, was kind of at a crossroads. Do I go back to Russia and quit on this again? Do I find this place? And, you know, do I find my new home in in, in the NHL? And he found it. I mean, he's still the guy that, you know, he doesn't like to talk to media. He's very, to himself, he's very quiet, very reserved. Um, He's his own kind of guy, and that's cool. 
But among all of that, he's found a home in Denver. He's found a home with this team, with that core. And I think of all the guys, he's the one that doesn't want to test free agent market because he seems like the one of the bunch that if he went to a new team a month in, he won't have the best start to his new season. And right away, the media will get on him and the fans will get on him. And then he's back to square one, which is where he was with the Dallas Stars before signing with the Avs. So my New Year's resolution for Valerie Nichushkin is a new contract with the Colorado Avalanche because that's where I think he wants to be for a while. Plus, we know how much he loves the Cherry Creek Mall, right? Yeah, he's always there, man. He loves that area. Yeah, but I think with the other guys that are uh, free agents, upcoming free agents here, I wouldn't say they necessarily are excited to test free agency because I think in Colorado, you know, you're obviously with a good team and you have a great chance at winning. You know, guys like Kadri, Burakovsky definitely want to be around that. So I don't know if they're stoked, but I think, you know, they also understand that they have to go with the best deal and whatever suits them best, and it just might not be with Colorado. But I agree with all your other points about Val. I think he he definitely, from a non-hockey standpoint, I think really likes it here. I mean, the, the, the reality is somebody like Nazem Kadri, let's just throw random numbers out. Let's say the Avalanche give him, not that they would, but you know, five years, 30 million. So six million a year over five years. Uh, he can take that and win a cup here, but then easy team to pick. The Detroit Red Wings come calling and say, hey, how would you like to make eight and a half million dollars for the next six years playing as a second line center behind Dylan Larkin? He's going to be like, fuck the Stanley Cup. I'm going to Detroit. Screw this. Like, (laughs) that's a lot of money. And you're going to see something similar like that to Burakovsky. He's the perfect kind of complimentary scorer that somebody might come around and be like, here's six million dollars to score 25 goals. You know, these numbers that the Avalanche just can't match with Nachushkin. If the Avalanche offer him, I mean, right now he's making in the $2 million range. If the Avalanche offered him three and another team came out and offered him 4.25, I don't think he would want it. I think he would rather take the three, knowing that he can succeed here, knowing that he's happy here. The number one thing that I've always learned in my professional career is don't fuck with happy. And that's the biggest thing. If you're unhappy and you're pursuing other opportunities, you have a reason to pursue other opportunities. But if you're happy always you got to gauge the risk versus reward of you know if if this new place is going to offer me a little bit of a pay raise is it worth the possibility and the potential of screwing with the happiness of where i am now and and that's something that valerie nutrition is going to take into you know take into heart and holy shit man we're only one player into this game that was supposed to be rapid fire and i i think i did pretty well on that one i don't know 1.25 mil a year difference i think i would move anywhere for for a 1.25 mil upgrade yeah, no, and and that's exactly the reason why I think Val's the kind of guy that wouldn't, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, that's kind of, you know, in the end, that's my New Year's resolution for him. If you're Joe Sackick, you lock him up now before you know what other teams are willing to pay him. He's not going to know get that. to the summer. Exactly. He's not going to know that until I think it's July 14 as free agency this year. He's not going to know until then. So as far as I'm concerned, lock him up. His New Year's resolution from the Avalanche is to get signed in this, you know, first six months of the calendar year 2022. So with that being said, after 20 minutes of talking about Val Nichushkin, who <laughs> always is deserving. I knew that was a guy we should start with. Yeah, I'm going to throw a goalie your way because you're a goalie. So we're not going to go with the starter. We're going to go with the other guy, Pavel Francouz. What's his New Year's resolution? Well, like you brought up at the top of the show, he's, it seems like he's a little bit cursed, right? So I guess we need to get him a bottle of Gypsy Tears and lift all these curses and just get him back to 100% because the Pavel Francouz that's 100% is amazing. We just all forgot. We don't remember. We haven't seen it in forever, right? The, the guy we saw in Nashville was not the Pavel Francouz I'm talking about. So some health and just uh, get rid of these curses. A lifting Some of the curse. Some consistency, man. Playing hockey every other night. would be nice, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So in the interest of uh, keeping all these short, we'll, we'll, leave it, we'll leave it at that. Gypsy tears for Francis. Nathan McKinnon is the one I'm giving you. Another, it shouldn't be too hard for you. Yeah, so um, other than the easy joke of like an In-N-Out burger, some pasta or <laughs> carbs or whatever the hell you want to say, Sunday. <laughs> I'm going to go with um, some goals. Uh, Nathan McKinnon's kind of, I, and again, regular season versus playoffs. In the playoffs, he still brings it. But over these last two seasons, in the regular season, since COVID started, he's played 65 games and he's got 23 goals. 
in 2019-20, he played 69 games and he had 35 goals. So he's kind of fallen off of that half a goal per game pace that he had in 18-19, 41 and 82. So I don't know what it is, man. He's only shooting 4.5% this year. He only shot 9.7 last year. And those are the lowest he's had since Jared, or not since Jared Bender became coach, but since that 2016-17 season where he started to break out the following year. So to keep this short, Nathan McKinnon, his New Year's resolution is to score some goals. He's only got three and 17 this year. Granted, 21 assists. Yeah, and it's not like he's playing poorly, right? All the yeah, assists exactly. really show the the impact he's still making out there. But just like the one time when I was young at this job and I asked him, hey, what do you think you got to do to start scoring some more goals? And he said, just got to beat the goalie, I guess. I kind of feel <laughs> like that's the same thing right now, right? He's not yeah. playing poorly. He's just simply not beating the goalies. So, um you know, a younger me wished I asked a better question, but I think we'd get the same answer today. He just, just, just got to beat the goalie. I don't know what's going wrong. Is basically what he's saying, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, yeah, let me let me throw one back your way. Um, I'm gonna go off the board, get away from the top six. Uh, let's go, Logan O'Connor. What's his New Year's resolution? Logan O'Connor. Ah, uh, man. I mean, he's having a great season. I, I. I'd like to see a little more consistency in his game, right? It's some nights he plays like a 10, other nights he's a 7. But because we're seeing so much 10 out of him this year, and we know that he got a he got a good deal over the offseason, but if it if they waited till this offseason, I think he could have doubled what he got. <laughs> so I'm going to go with a, a maybe a better agent. And <laughs> as a real estate agent myself, I don't want to throw stones at other agents, but um, it, that seems like a low-hanging fruit right there. So a better agent, I'll go with Logan O'Connor. He could have worked a much better deal if they just – a little patience. Maybe patience is what I should give him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I could see why he took the deal he took just because of when it came in his – in his career and, 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 you know, what he had to fight through after being undrafted and signing with the Avalanche. But who's the one guy, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot, who's the one former Av that's recently retired that we kind of think like as O'Connor replaces him? <laughs> All right, I'll help you out. It's Matt Calvert. So that's the guy that he replaces. He's got a similar type of game as Matt Calvert. And we saw Calvert with the Avalanche after, after his career with Columbus with the Avalanche. He kind of took off offensively. He had that, you know... Point point five points per game pace in, in 2019-20 before, before the pause and everything. And looking at Calvert, his three-year contract that he signed with the Avalanche, obviously as a UFA on July 1st, so there's always an extra bump. He got $2.875 million per year with a base salary in that first season of 18-19 of $3.75 million. That's a lot of money. But the contract before that that he signed was a three-year deal with the Blue Jackets that he re-signed with them, and it was his second contract out, out of his ELC, and he got three years at 2.2 per year. So again, right around more than double what Logan O'Connor got right now. So as far as I'm concerned, you're spot on, man. He could have gotten a lot more money if he waited to this offseason. I think he would have hit the twos. Hey, hey thanks. Uh, moving on. Pretty pretty good there. I, let me... Let me uh, Moving on for you. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so got a, another big name for you here. I'm, I'm giving you the stars just to make it hopefully easier on you. You hit me with a, a little curveball there with Logan O'Connor, but I'm going to give you Devon Taves. What would you give him for a, a New Year's resolution? You're calling Devon Taves a star? <laughs> He's just riding McCarr's coattails. Come on. <laughs> no. Um, well, in it's a exactly. past life, yeah, in a past life two weeks ago, I would have said a spot on Team Canada's Olympic team. Um, but what I'll go with is kind of what I just joked about is some league league wide recognition for Devon Taves would be nice. Uh, it's the fact that no, he's not riding Kale McCarr's coattails. He's an exceptional defenseman. And I think more than Kale, more than McKinnon. And I think I've said this about Kale in the past, but I think I'm going to switch it to Taves. Had he made the Olympic roster, which there's not, there's no way to know if he ever would have at this point, but had he made that roster, it would have been a hell of a coming out party for him. Um, but that's no longer going to happen. So hopefully it's like a playoff push where the avalanche win the, you know, make it past the second round and Devon Taves plays his ass off and maybe he misses a game and the Avs lose like nine, nothing to say like, holy shit, what went wrong? Well, Devon wasn't there. Obviously that's a little bit off, off the, off the rails. We're not going to lose nine, nothing and blame it on Taves being out, but maybe some league wide recognition as 
truly, truly, truly the second best defenseman on this team. No disrespect to Gerard and Byram. Taves is right up there and he's closer to McCarr at number one than he is to Gerard or Byram at number three, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with it. I mean, everything he's done is amazing when he's present, right? And in his absence, you notice that he's not there, especially from a defensive standpoint. So, uh, yeah, I think he deserves the recognition. I think he started to get some a little bit there when he got the third star of the week, right? It was kind of coming. Yeah, it was It was coming. I think he did it two weeks in a row. or No, no, that was McCart. He did it the week after that. He was the yeah. third star. You're right. Yeah. So let me kind of go off the board again with like a fourth liner, you know, third pair defenseman, healthy scratch kind of guy. Kale McCarr. Oh, Kale McCarr. You gave me an easy one. <laughs> um, Kale McCarr has been scoring goals this season, right? And that's something we're not used to seeing from him. Uh, the assists will come with just by the way he plays the game. But goals is something that I think he's been able to add to his tool belt a little bit better this season. And I want to see that continue. And if that continues, I think he's a hands-down candidate for a Norris Trophy victory this year, right? He was nominated last year. This year, he'd be a hands-down winner of it. So goals with that a Norris Trophy in the in the long term. I forget how many games he's missed. I think two. Um but I'll say it right now. If Kel McCarr plays 70 games this year, he wins in ours, no matter what happens. There's no way he doesn't because he's not going to fall off the rails and be like minus 40 the rest of the way right. out. He's going to win the Norris if he doesn't play, you know, way less. He would have won it last year if he didn't miss 12 games or whatever it was out of a 56-game season. So that's a good easy one. That's that's a good choice and an easy choice. Since you gave me an easy one, I'll give you another easy one here, and we're going to stick on the defensive group. Bowen Byram, we got to chat about him a little bit earlier in the show, but what would you give him as a New Year's resolution? Hmm. Uh, this one is easy because we talked about it for about 10 minutes earlier, and, and it's it's health. It's it's not just his hockey career. It's, it's, it's general human health. This is a kid that is 20 years old, and... You know, going back to that story, I mentioned it once already when we had Peter Ball on the show was one of the hardest stories I've had to read was the story that Peter Ball wrote about uh, Bowen Byram and what he had to deal with with his concussions and knowing the kind of toll, like he's he's a 19-year-old kid, man. That's He was, I mean, a 19-year-old. Now he's 20, but he's a young kid, man. That is a lot to go through at that age and, and his parents being involved with that and having to see their kid go through that. So for me, it's, it's health. It's, it's not health on the ice. It's just getting healthy, getting over the concussions, whatever other head issues he has that Jared was talking about. So for him, it's just being a healthy, happy guy. Cause that's the kind of player he is. Yeah, what a roller coaster, right? To be coming up the ranks and, you know, you've always been one of the best players to now you're seeing, all right, I'm about to get drafted. Not only am I about to get drafted, I'm about to make some noise in the NHL to suddenly, will I even have an NHL career? So, uh, yeah, you can't do anything but feel sympathy for him. And I'm with you. You want to see him just have a, a good quality of life after hockey, let alone being able to, to live out his career and his dream as an NHLer. So here's to, yeah, Bowen Byram. Playing in the NHL for years yeah. and years to come. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it going with the defenseman, but not with the guy you're thinking. Obviously, Taves, Makar, Byram. The fourth guy of that crew is who we always think of as Gerard. But I'm not gonna go wow. with him. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you Eric Johnson. Eric Johnson. Oh man. I mean, you love to see how many games he's played this year. Another right? horse? No, he has got plenty of horses. And not only that I'm kind of <laughs> tired of hearing about his horses, I'm sure he's tired of talking about him. Um, but maybe he should stop naming him after his teammates and then we won't have to talk about him. But we won't we'll stop giving um, the shit. You know, I'm really pleased with his health so far this year, right? I don't even has he even missed a game? I think he's played in every game this season. I don't believe so. so. Um yeah, I think you know, he has. I, I guess we can leave the health and and all that aside, that would have been more of a last year thing. I guess this one, he's just he just deserves a cup, right? The poor guy's getting old. He's it's obviously harder for him to skate at times, and uh, he's just getting towards the uh, back. No, he's in the back nine of his career for sure. So, um, so he's yeah, back it's time for that guy to get a cup. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't know if this year's the year, um, but since we're making New Year's resolutions, that's really what he needs the most is is a cup. Poor guy. Yeah, and you know he's only got one more year on his contract after this. He's having a good season. It's not like he's you know playing five minutes a night. He's playing a ton of minutes. He's got a plus fifteen, which is second best behind Devon Taves, which is really great to see. 
Um, and like you said, he's played all 27 games. He's on pace to, you know, obviously he's on pace to play all 82 right now. Uh, but for Eric Johnson, it's, it's the fact that, you know, is he going to get another contract after next year? We don't know. It depends on what happens with his health over the next 12 months, the next 18 months, whatever it may be. So yeah, man, I mean, every team loves to rally around an old guy without a cup and, We've seen teams like the Capitals do it with Ovechkin. Last year, Montreal had Shea Weber and Carey Price. Obviously, the most famous old guy without a cup was Raymond Bork winning it in 2001. So, man, would be nice for him to win a cup. I'll never forget the uh, press conference after he signed that long deal. And he said, after uh, uh, my contract's through and I can look back and we've won cups, he said multiple cups. So I don't want him to be a liar. He's got to win 22 and 23 to have multiple cups at the end of his contract. Exactly. So it starts with this one. So I'm giving I'm giving him a cup. Moving on, Arif. We got to fly through these because we're getting towards the end. How many here. are we doing? Uh, um, I don't know. Let's do a couple more. I guess we got right. time for a couple more. Let's do it. Um, this one will be another easy one for you. I'm just giving you so many easy ones. You're making me think hard. I'm going to give you Nazem Kadri. Oh, I I get it because I'm Arab. <laughs> You're funny. No. Um. <laughs> Nazem Kadri, I mean, a payday would be cool. Uh, he's going to get one of those, whether with the Avalanche or elsewhere. Granted, if it's with the Avs, it's going to be a bit of a pay cut from what he can get elsewhere. Um, point streaks have been great. I'd say consistent line mates. He's made that joke throughout the year. I feel like I'm playing with a different guy every game, and he finally got a couple games with Berkey and, and Val. And then Landeskog went out and the line was broken up again because somebody had to take over for Gabe Landeskog on the top line. So for Nazem Kadri, if he's putting up 30, what is it, 38 points now in however many games he's played, uh, playing with different guys every game, what can he do with this consistent Valerie Nachushkin and Andre Burakovsky line? I would like to see Nazem Kadri's New Year's resolution, if I was him, other than getting out of COVID protocol, which will happen before the new year, is playing with consistent line mates on that second line and also not getting suspended again would be nice. Yeah, and I think with with consistent line mates he and you're not hopefully getting, getting suspended. You're hopefully getting <laughs> consistent play out of him, right? And if he remains consistent of what he's done so far this year, he's deserving of at least a heart nomination. Yeah. So, I'm going to throw Oh hell yeah. If he continues what he's doing, I'm going to throw a heart nomination. Oh, that's a good one. I like that one better. We should edit out what I said. I like yours better. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, let's go to his other line mate. We already talked about Val. How about Andre Burakovsky? Andre Burakovsky is an easy one because he just plays such better hockey when he's having fun, right? When he's uh, uh, the hat trick recently helped, the two goal game before that helped. And when he's feeling good about himself, he's playing better hockey. So I want him to just keep feeling good, keep smiling, and keep playing the good hockey that he that we know he's capable of. I, I mean, who knows if he'll stick with that top line um, once. I mean, we know Rantanen's going to be coming back, so he won't stick too long. We'll see how many, how long he actually is on that top line for. But you know I love the way he plays with McKinnon, and you know that makes him smile. So let's just keep Burakovsky smiling, whether it's playing with McKinnon or back with Kadri and Nachushkin. As long as he's scoring goals, he's feeling good, and he's playing good. So I guess that's it's that simple for him. Just to be happy. he's already, He's got 12 goals in 25 games. He's eight away from what he had in 2020 and seven away from what he had last year. So those are obviously career highs, the 20 and the 19. Those are the two best years he's had. Um, I love Burkowski. He's a fun guy to talk to. His favorite word is bro. He always says it. If you, We all remember the... When in, when we when I asked him in Belmar about the skating at uh, Lake Tahoe and Belmar said, I've never skated on a lake before. He said, we're not skating on the lake, bro. We're skating on the 18th green, bro. He's just, he's a funny guy. But yeah, I mean, when he's happy, he's having a ball and joking around on Zoom like that. When he's not, he's not playing well and he's breaking sticks at practice. We saw him do that last month. And, you know, when we asked him about it, he said, yeah, I was frustrated. And I broke the stick with like the straightest Burakovsky face I've ever seen. So it's a good one. If he's happy, he's going well. Andre Burakovsky, everybody. Bro. <laughs> Let's go with Miko Rantanen, Arif. Miko, as Patrick Waugh calls him, Rantanen. Miko uh, Rantanen. I think he needs a remix. That song's getting kind of old. We need a little yeah. bit of a remix, a, a revamp of the Miko Rantanen song. Um, so speaking of that video you talked about earlier, him and Landeskog were playing NHL 22. Uh, I'm a little upset that he's only a 90 rating. 
So I think his New Year's revolution of all the things that he cares about is probably to hit up EA Sports and be like, you know, have Burakovsky call for him and be like, what's going on, bro? Why is he only a 90? Because <laughs> he's tied for 15th in the NHL. Let me list off some of the names that are ahead of him that I disagree with them having a better rating than him. And it starts with Jack Eichel, uh, Brad Marchand. Eh, Marchand probably should be. Bergeron, Pasternak also shouldn't probably have. Uh, Kane, I know Patrick Kane's everybody's favorite, but we're talking about a guy that's got over 40 goals and 90 points in his last 70 games. Mikko Rantanen should have better than a 90 rating. He should not be on par with guys like Andre Kopitar and John Carlson and Mark Scheifele's a 90. He should, Evgeny Malkin, who's barely played hockey the last 12 months, is a 90. He should be a little bit higher than that. So the nerdy, I'm not even a gamer, but the nerdy gamer in me says, Mikko should be higher than a 90 in NHL 22. Let's fix that. I bought an HL22 this year. Usually I'm only a FIFA, really? FIFA guy strictly, but I bought it because why yeah. not? And uh, so I've been dabbling. I'm two on two so far in online games. Let's, so I'm pretty let's proud wrap of myself. On, online, do you got another controller? Let's wrap this up. I'm going to head over. I'll play some games. <laughs> two two wins in a row, too. Look at me go. Um, yeah, so I guess let's move along since nobody cares about my gaming. <laughs> All right. Let's do a few more here. Um, just because I gave you EJ earlier, I'll give you Sam Gerrard this time. Sam Gerrard, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I would give him. I think I, I like the way he's played. I like everything about him this year. I, I guess the one thing I can say is that you and I were at practice today, and I noticed for the first time I just started paying attention to the way some guys wrap their socks, right, with their, with their sock tape. Oh. <laughs> EJ was one that... The, Kind of wraps his socks like a crazy man. I've never seen anybody do it that way. You see a lot of the forward just do the one stripe up top, but Sam Gerard didn't have Sam any Gerard. sock tape. Yeah, Sam Gerard <laughs> had none. So I'm gonna give him some sock tape. Maybe learn how to use it. I don't didn't know. If it he looked needs weird. It, didn't it, it look just... weird? Like he was like wearing like these XL socks, and he's you know five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing pounds, and it looks like they were just like. They were kind of like disconnected from his from his shin pads and his legs, like they were just kind of floating there. Like the tape is used for a reason, but he obviously missed the memo. I don't know. Yeah. It was Maybe weird. it weighs him down and it helps him sleep <laughs> without it, right? Less <laughs> Let's <her nod>. um, <laughs> Moving on, let's get uh, let's get two more in here. Darcy Kemper, I'm going to give you Eric. Oh, I was going to pick that. Um, <laughs> this one's easy. Let's yeah. get him some equipment that works. Uh, how about a skate blade, some pads, maybe an extra skate blade, um, just whatever. I'd, I'd say at this point, give him a metal stick so that it never breaks. Not that his stick has broken before, but I can already envision in my head somebody coming up on Darcy Kemper on a breakaway and him kind of like bouncing off the post and his stick just shatters in half for no reason other than the fact that he's Darcy Kemper and then his skate blade comes off and the puck's in the back of the net. So Maybe some equipment, maybe a trip to play it against sports or something like that. No, not play it again. You don't want used equipment, but you know, after today's practice, I definitely want to get him a Gatorade. But wh <laughs> what have I been Poor hammering guy. the table in regards to Darcy Kemper a lot lately? A lot of it's been in private, some of it on the podcast, but what have I been saying about Darcy Kemper? Those glove side goals? No, he needs a shutout. Yes, a okay. Shutout. Yes, that is I'm a, waiting that is for a, a freaking shutout. He had five so, in his best year, so that's what I want to give him. So I was actually, uh, I, I saw a tweet today that today's the anniversary of Patrick Wall winning his 500th NHL game against Dallas. And uh, NHL PR tweeted it and they said, Patrick Wall won his 500th game however many years ago today, 18, 19, 20, whatever the hell it was. However, he did it with a two to nothing victory over the Dallas Stars, his seventh of the season. So on December 26th of that season, Patrick Waugh, in the clutch and grab era, obviously, had seven shutouts. So come on, Darcy, just give us one. Just one. Just one. Just I also one. I also want to shout out the dying meme that is Brucey's time to shine every time Johansson had to come in for him because Johansson's <laughs> no longer here. And I would assume and hope that by now Kemper Skateblade is figured out. Eustace Annan is the new Brucey, I guess. Yeah. So I was gonna pick Kemper, but I just realized to close it out, we haven't picked him yet. The captain, Gabriel Landeskog. Gabriel Landeskog. He's been playing with so much fire this season. A little too a much fire, I though. love it. Yeah, he's he's snapping a little bit too quickly. So I guess I'm going to give him some chill pills, you know, like, <laughs> whether you want him to be Xanax or just some 
off-brand uh, regular chill pills, but that's I think great. he he he's playing great hockey. I don't want him to get distracted with having to fight, especially since he's been gone. We saw <laughs> McDermott really take over the role of fighting people, so that's what he was brought in to do. Let him do the things and stop sitting for five minutes, Gabe Landeskog. Especially stop a lot sitting. of times he's instigating, right? So he's getting the brunt of the penalties because he's the one sticking up for teammates. So pop some chill pills before the game. Get into less fights. Keep scoring goals. Oh, God, if he listens to this podcast, he's going to beat he's 14 fight types me. of oh, shit after you, out of you. He's going to beat the crap out of you. Uh, chill pills, huh? How about this yeah. for some chill pills? Blah. It'll be on a Zoom call because we're back to that now, and he'll still intimidate the shit out of you through the camera. Like, what the fuck did you say on, on podcast? I'll say, so, I'll say, Gabe, let's go to Total Beverage together. <laughs> it's kind of funny because, I mean, we've mentioned this before, but Gabe Landeskog was a little bit of a fireball and a bully from like 2012 to 2015. And then 15 to 20, he just kind of chilled out a little bit. And then 21 came around and he like turned into like Super Saiyan Vegeta, not even Goku, because Goku's at least a little friendly. <laughs> Landeskog's just like, I'm going to kill anybody in my way. And it started with opening night. He had, a, I think he had a couple goals and as just mentioned. And it's gone on since then. So, uh, yeah, chill pills. That's a good way to put it. Gabe, it was his idea, not mine. So I like the way Terry put it. There's basically two versions of Gabe, right? Terry Fry, that is. There's the Stockholm Gabe Landeskog, and then there's the Kitchener Rangers Gabe Landeskog. <laughs> the rugged Canadian boy from Ontario. The Don Cherry favorite is from Ontario. He's a good <laughs> hockey boy from a good hockey family. It's the Billet family that got Yeah. <laughs> Guys, everybody oh, knows man. Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton, right? Sure, Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits. But did you know that they deliver? Do you know that they also have curbside pickup? And do you know that they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. So stop by at 104th in Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself. Or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need and more. Love Total Beverage. Love those guys. Um, Arif, you know, we're running long. We don't have too much to get into here, though, so let's wrap this podcast up with a look ahead. Um, if the games... It sounds like the Jared Bednar is pretty confident that the games are going to get played, despite Dallas having a lot of COVID positives. Avalanche coming out with five new ones today. Doesn't sound like the NHL plans to postpone very many games moving forward, though, here. So, uh, yeah, let's look ahead at Dallas. What, what do they got in store? Uh, a lot of guys on COVID protocol as well. Um, and like you said, I think the NHL is at a point where they're going to say, you know what, man, we're going to give you some cap exemptions. We're going to give you a taxi squad. I don't care if you're going to play some games with Darren Helm as your top line right winger. You guys are just where we can't cancel games anymore. It's just it's not an option. Um, the Avalanche played Dallas twice. We talked about it. They play Wednesday on the road and then New Year's. Oh, no, sorry. Wednesday at home and then New Year's Eve at Dallas. The Stars right now, and this could change over the coming days like the Avalanche's list, but it's Radic Faxa, Miro Heiskinen, Yoel Kiviranta, Michael Raffle, Jason Robertson, two support staff members, and obviously Yanni Hakenpah. That's a lot of talent they have, similar to the Avalanche on protocol. Theirs might be a little worse because for the Avs, at least you know, Kadri is going to be back before the first game, and O'Connor and Kadri and McDermott before the first game, O'Connor and Ranton in before the second game. So who knows when these guys are going to be back? But um, yeah, it's going to be two games of two teams that are beat up by covid um but i'm just i'm i'm sure like everybody we're all just excited to see hockey get back after what was 10 days or 12 days without avalanche hockey that just felt like so much longer yeah and it's likely going to be like that around the league right exactly I mean, every team's battling with it so it's going to be two teams facing off that are both battling with covid so that being said i guess what's the rest of the season look like for us right uh, <laughs> I like, I'm not going to steal your thunder because you have it here in the notes, um, but I'm going to kind of steal it here and give you the credit. The Avalanche have 55 games left, whereas 55. last year they ended with 56 in the regular season. So basically what we have ahead is a regular season from last year. That's what's remaining. The thing is, there's already stats, there's already points that are in the mix, so that's a caveat that you throw in there, but yeah. Go, I guess go ahead and make the point you were going to make. I, God, what a terrible way to set that up. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> no, you're totally fine. We're we're still getting we're shaking off the rust and, yeah, and we're, getting we're, back. I mean, the, the Avs even well. had a bag skate a today, week. right? They had to get get some yeah. of the holiday treats out of them and, and had to skate a little bit. So I, I wish I could have had a skate. This is us yeah. doing our bag skate. Yeah. So last year's 56 game season was played. The 56 regular season games, I should say, were played in exactly four months, January 13 to May 13. They played 56 games in exactly four months. Well, the next Avalanche game is December 29. The last Avalanche game on the schedule is April 29. In exactly four months, assuming no cancellations that cause the Avalanche to go past the 29th, which I doubt the NHL wants to do, in exactly four months, the Avalanche are going to play 55 games. So what we have here is one game less than last season in the same four-month stretch to the very day. This last 55 games, or I should say these next 55 games, is going to be an exact similar type of sprint to last year, which is crazy because we went into this season talking about how it's going to be a little bit better. And that's not even to take into account that there's a three-week All-Star break in the middle mixed in with the uh, Olympic break or not three-week All-Star break, but three-week All-Star and Olympic break. And how many games is the NHL even going to be able to schedule in that in that stretch, given the fact that a lot of these arenas already have events booked? So there's a chance that in 17 or 18 days that we're kind of reserved for the Olympics, the Avalanche only play like four or five games, which means their other 50 games get crammed even smaller which is similar to last year because last year they had two COVID pauses. So basically what I'm getting at is the taxi squads are back and so is the sprint that the Avalanche had last year. These next four months are going to be busy. I think there's one challenge that you're forgetting to acknowledge and that's the the schedule, right? Because instead of having the two games in one city, two games in the next city, mm, you're jumping from city to city, to city to city to yeah. city. So it's going to be a little bit oh, tougher boy. than last year. And also, you know, what a terrible year for me to make everybody a bunch of sweet real estate calendars for the Avalanche schedule. <laughs> oh, no. <sighs> They're going to change. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I'll, I'll be waiting for the new printed version. I don't know. JJ's real estate company is doing pretty good. I assume they're going to print out another thousand copies of those. I'd expect a new one by January 1st, Jeremy. Goodness, that's a, that's a heavy, uh, heavy ask. Heavy ask. But I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, it's it's not an easy road ahead so you know the avalanche just kind of got to go with what they've got and make the best of it right they're trying to make lemonade out of some rotten oranges it seems like but they're they're gonna do their best you like that you gave me a weird face there i i guess so i guess so here's here's my question for you so given the travel um what are you most worried about i mean we got 55 games in a four-month stretch is it going to be that team fatigue from uh the travel are you more worried about more outbreaks and postponements and kind of cramming in what's left of the games even more? Or is it something that the Avalanche dealt with last season only on one side because Gruby was the constant, but goalie durability? Because we've seen this year Kemper and Francis both proved to not be durable at some point. So I guess, what are you most worried about these next four months? I'm most worried about teams just able to field the rosters that we expect of them, right? This is a product that people are hoping to see the best players go up against the best players. And when COVID's taking players out, injuries are taking players out. So not only do I think COVID's going to be quite the hurdle, but I think COVID's also introducing an injury hurdle that we're not really talking about very yeah. much around the NHL. So I think with COVID and injuries thrown in the mix, I'm most worried about seeing teams half-masked. Shoot, that's not the right yeah. way. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. But it's, yeah, it's the <laughs> fact that players are going to go into COVID protocol. But on top of that, the fatigue, I mean, the travel, that's a good point, man. They're going to travel so much more this year than they did last year, playing the exact same amount of games in the exact same stretch. Well, minus one game. So it's going to be tough. But like, if you have two or three or four guys on COVID protocol, and then like we saw earlier this year before things got crazy, uh, going into practice one day and Jared Bender saying, yeah, so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so are banged up. They're going to miss the next game. You know, maybe probable, questionable, whatever bullshit word you want to use that coaches usually use. You're going to end up probably having some games as like silly as this sounds where like Dylan Secura or Kiefer Sherwood or Darren Helm or Tyson Jones, like you're going to have random guys playing in your top six on some nights because of what's happening this season between COVID, between team fatigue, all of these things. I mean, I guess I'm just worried about all of them. The outbreaks, 
goalie durability. Like it's 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 going to be a lot. And yet, ticket prices are still full price. Nothing less is expected. <laughs> Nothing less. All right, Eric. Well, I think this is a good place to stop for the week, right? I mean. We had a little bit of a holiday break that wasn't expected, but mm-hmm. nothing to talk about. We got some stuff off our chest. We even had some fun with it. So I guess your closing thoughts for today's episode. Oh, you're going to hate me for going a little bit longer on this. But last week, I got to explain this to our listeners. I had a flight book to go to Detroit to cover a game that ended up getting postponed. I still ended up deciding to take the trip and just go see family instead. It's fine. You know, everybody was fine with it. My boss was fine with it. What's hilarious is my flight was supposed to be Sunday, land in Detroit at 8 p.m. for a game Monday. The game was canceled before Sunday. So now I'm flying Sunday for no game just to go see family. And then the airline canceled my flight Sunday and they called it because of the COVID outbreak and said, you need to reschedule your flight. So I pressed on, obviously, they let me reschedule it for free because they canceled my flight four hours before it took off. I scheduled it for the next day at the exact same time, and I ended up flying to Detroit then. Now, here's where it gets hilarious. Had the game not been canceled on Monday, I wouldn't have even been able to cover it because I got in at 8 p.m. for a game that started at 7.30. So shout out to the NHL for COVID and for pretty much the world for ruining flights, hockey games, (laughs) and for me going to Detroit for three days for absolutely no reason. Thanks a lot, world. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks a lot setting me to Detroit. I made that I made that joke in front of someone who didn't know I was from Detroit. And they're like, ah, you had to go to the worst city. Just terrible. What did you do in Detroit for three days? I'm like, that's where I grew up. Um, <laughs> but thanks. <laughs> I visited all the places that are near and dear to my heart. Oh, uh, all right. Arafal, yeah. This been. is great. We need to go back on the protocol after, after this uh, yeah. performance here. But um, yeah, I guess... It, if you made it this far of the podcast, definitely bless your pretty little heart. I hope everybody had a great holiday season and they're going to have a safe New Year's. Hoping to get back to you before New Year's, but if not, have a happy New Year. And uh, that being said, hockey is for everyone, and we out to you.